Hello, beautiful people. You're listening to the Communal Table Podcast, part of Food and Wine Pro. I'm your host, Kat Kinsman, and my guest today is somebody who I've admired for, I would say, a couple of decades now, and even more as I've gotten to know him in the past couple of years because he's an advocate for all kinds of great things. He is the chef owner of Blue Dragon and the host and executive uh, producer of Simply Ming and is doing a lot of incredibly cool things that we're going to talk about now. Welcoming Sai. Thank you, Kat. So psyched to be here. I am. And congrats so- on your new job. Oh my golly. Food it, Fantastic. It, well, I get to talk to people like you in a way that we used to just kind of grab space in, you know, I, at a hotel or right. wherever it was and just have these conversations that I really think the public needs to hear more about. Yeah, and it's great. I've listened to a lot of your stuff. It's fantastic. Oh, yay. Well, thank you. I'm so, I'm so thrilled. And so when you, we were talking about what we were going to talk about, the topic of allergies came up and I immediately said, yes, yes, please, because I'm a person who has a lot of dietary restrictions that aren't allergies. I always say to the server, you're not going to kill me. This isn't anaphylactic. Right. I'm just going to feel like hell. But you have a very particular interest in this. I do. Um, it's, it's the very unfunny joke from upstairs when my first son, David, was born. He's now 18. Uh, born with life-threatening food allergies, a soy, wheat, dairy, shellfish, peanuts, green, and eggs. Ooh. Seven of the eight. And, anaphylactic. And you so, are a chef. And I'm, I'm like, <laughs> that's not funny, right? <laughs> first son of a chef. But you know how life is? It became my calling. Yeah. And so this blue ginger was already opened a year before David was born. And I already started what I called the food allergy Bible. Yeah. The Bible, and we can call it the Quran. It's, <laughs> it's officially for the master's It's the holy law. document of it's allergies. Called the state, it's called the reference manual, because obviously mm-hmm. you can't say Bible for whatever reason. It's not PC. But the key is that it was just a three-ring binder, mm-hmm. very simple in design, that had every single dish you were serving that night listed out in a smart format. I, I have an engineering background, so I, on an Excel spreadsheet, I listed the eight allergens up top and then broke the dish down by components, not by recipe, yeah. right? So it's the protein and it's marinade. Starch one, starch two, veg one, veg two, sauce one, sauce two, garnish one, whatever. Because you can eat the steak and grits, let's just say, if you have a shellfish allergy, yeah. but there's shellfish in it, and you're like, where's the shellfish? Oh, it's in the fried onions, because the onions were fried in the fryer. Yeah. The shellfish was fried in. So you can certainly have the whole dish without the fried onions. So for cross-contamination purposes, 100%. those are the things that get you. Right. And, and so I had that system before David was born. But then once David was born, I'm like, oh, my God, you kidding me? We, you know, this. I'm so glad I already have this. But yeah. what really got me just full in, head first, was when he was about two I walked into a restaurant, not to be named, and I looked for the guy doing nothing with a tie on. That's the manager. And I said, hey, look, my son has these allergies. Uh, we just want to – we see you have turkey. We want a turkey sandwich with uh, just on lettuce, and is that okay? He goes, we'd rather not serve you. And I looked at him, and I, you know, and I'm, Are you kidding? And I'm almost clenching a fist. I'm not going to hit someone because I'm not violent. But that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to be like – Yeah, that's your kid. And I thought to myself, like – this is ridiculous. It used to be the color of your skin you couldn't get into a restaurant. Yeah. And then it used to be if you're in a wheelchair, you couldn't get into a restaurant. Now if you have a food allergy, you're not going to be served. That's probably the most un-American thing I could ever think it's of. It's cruel. Right? And, that's, and, then, and, and of course, my son's like, what happened? What happened? Because, oh, no, the food's no good there. And so I have to explain to my son. I have to lie to my son, right? Yeah. And that's when I'm like, you know what? This is ridiculous. We, we need to – it needs to be universal to make restaurants safer for people with food allergies because it's the right of every American to eat safely anywhere in America, period. And if you can't handle that and you can't do it, go sell cars or go do something else. But don't risk killing someone. Yeah. 
through food. Period. I I agree so so very wholeheartedly on this, and I'm trying to overcome my internal stigma about. You know, it, it, I think this might be a gendered thing, but taking up too much space, being a pain in the ass, being like, you know, that girl at a at a restaurant and being like, well, I actually can't do this thing. And I always sort of, you know, joke about like, well, you're not going to kill me. It's not anaphylactic, but I'm going to feel like hell later. And like, for the most part, the server is like, oh, my God, we're, you know, you're here to enjoy your food. We don't want to hurt you. But a couple of times, a couple of times I've been made to feel like an inconvenience or oh, this, this, this. The rolling of the eyes. I mean, people yeah. say, what do you what do you do if you have a child with food allergies yeah. and you want to go to a restaurant? You call in advance first yeah. because you can hear the rolling of someone's eyes. Oh, okay, you got peanut yeah. allergies. I think we'll be able to do, you know. And once you hear that tone, yeah, move on. Go to the next restaurant. And I love what you said in the beginning, Kat, that you actually tell the server, I won't die from this <laughs> yeah. because – the backlash of a lot of chefs right now yeah. is you do bend over backwards on a Saturday night. This woman or man is allergic to dairy. So we clean our, clean the walk, yeah. clean this, clean that, make sure new gloves, board. We go backwards to make sure the person eats safely. And then she's eating the chocolate chip cookie with vanilla ice cream. Right. And we're like, you didn't have an allergy? Oh, no, I'm just trying to lose weight. I'm like, you can't do that. And some chefs are like, yeah. screw them all. I'm not, right? And that's exactly what we don't want to happen, right? Because right? you don't want a chef thinking, oh, it doesn't matter. It does matter. So by you saying it's not anaphylaxis, I mean, yeah. meaning if it's a molecule, you won't die, but right. you'll still feel like you're, like celiacs, right? I mean, they feel horrible yeah. when they eat any gluten, period. I So I always feel a little bit funny. I had a conversation with Mike Galata um, from Maypop and MoFo about it. Like, he's right. super conscientious. And, you know, he was saying, like, you can absolutely crash a line if you have this. And he's like, we will absolutely take care of somebody. We will do that. We will take all of the precautions in the world. And he's like, but I look over and I, and I see somebody taking a bite. And and that that's why I'm very couched about my language when I do this. Because I do sometimes, like, a bite isn't going to hurt me to right. taste something else from somebody else's plate. But I surely cannot eat more than a couple forkfuls right. of something, so I'm always actually and you pretty hyper-conscious. you were so pissed off a chef or the manager if, if you said you had an allergy and you're taking oh, a yeah. bite off their plate. They're like, what is wrong with that girl? So, yeah. so hats off to you, because that's <laughs> so important for everyone out there. If you don't have food allergies, don't say it's a food allergy because yeah. procedure will still be just as careful. Yeah. If you don't want the sauce, we're not going to give you sauce, yeah. right? But we don't have to change gloves and do everything that backs up a line. So what is what is the language people can use? Is it preference? Is it intolerance? Is it like wh- yeah, what can I people just, say? I, just, I, I, I don't like to eat butter. Yeah. So if you don't, if, if if it's not a dairy allergy, you just you are just on a diet. You want to lose weight. Just you know, I I don't want to eat any butter. It's not an allergy. Yeah. That's what you need to say. Yeah. I I tell people like give me a heads up. As you know, because there are some things I and I realize I'm super lucky, and I also realize like I'm in a privileged position. I work at freaking food and wine, so people are, are going to do things. But a few times, um, people <laughs> and this is actually the sticky bit about this is that uh, occasionally there there have been a couple of chefs again who I won't name who say like, well, I'm not really going to get to cook my food for you, and I'm thinking, is this about you, dude? Like, it's or or the server has to say, well, I I'll have to see if chef is willing. And, like, first of all, the fact that they're saying if chef is, you know, right. it's always like the purpose. And, of and for the record, and, I, and it's funny, I'm going to do a food panel, yeah. a food allergy panel later today. It is a smart business decision mm-hmm. to be known as a food allergy friendly restaurant. God, the case yes. in point, Walt Disney. 
Disney World. Tell me. Disney okay. World has 20, 30,000 food allergy cases a week. Wow. Right? Yeah, they, that makes sense. Children. Absolutely so, makes sense. So when Mike, when David used to be allergic, for the record, we can have another, hopefully, if you invite me back, we can talk <laughs> about how, we back. can tell you, I can tell you how David's been cured. <gasps> he has no food allergies. What? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That is, and uh, is it done via food? Is it done via it's, meds? It's, uh, <laughs> it's this Lady Amy Tieringer in Lexington. So I'll ten, 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 ten seconds on it. Uh, it's called allergy release technique. Mm-hmm. And if you go to um, art, <laughs> art, exactly. And it's it's Nate and tapping and energy and releasing the anxiety about I'm allergic to peanuts. I'm allergic to peanuts. You can mm-hmm. convince your mind you're no yeah. longer allergic to peanuts. And mind over matter has been around for. Thousands and thousands of years, you hear about these stories. People cure their cancer through their mind and, and epilepsy and all this. It happens. My son has no allergies. He's been to China twice. You do not go to China with a <laughs> peanut allergy. It's peanut oil everywhere. Right. So, so there's a cure. So I have hope for that. Oh, my gosh. Well, I remember my dad had a lot of sort of seafood intolerance right. like growing up. And he went to China. And he was, uh, you know, pretty, I think, petrified going. And he went and he didn't have problems. And he was so surprised by that. And I was thinking, well, he probably grew up on like crappy, like American fish fillet, like right. fried kind of things. I think he ate sea cucumber. He ate all these things. Oh, and he... Yeah, and and I think he came back, you know, opened up to that. I actually had a scallop allergy that cured up. And I put myself sort of through immersion with this. I would not recommend this to people who do have a life-threatening condition whatsoever. Right. It, like scallops would just make me throw up. Like, and, you know, and I believe that for years because it happened a few times and I actually took a day off work and I got a couple different kinds of scallops and cooked them, so, cooked them for myself at home just in case, you know, right. I, I just didn't want to be out in the world. And I made them, you know, had it wait 15 minutes, have some more, wait 15 minutes. And I was like, holy crap. So within those first few weeks, I ate so many scallops at all <laughs> the restaurants where I'd been missing them. I was, th- I, I didn't get a chance to go to, um, was it Chanterelle had a, a seafood sausage that had um, scallops scallop in it. Mustard. Ariole had that uh, that scallop sandwich that they were. So I, I went around like eating all the classic scallop <laughs> dishes. Do you still like scallops? I really do. There, there's so many bad scallops out there, though. Yeah. <laughs> like just not. Um, the I, waterlogged frozen ones that have been soaked oh in the brine. Yeah. And, you know, you, we were actually before we started recording, we were talking about Top Chef. And I remember the point at which they were saying, it's Top Chef, not Top Scallop, because everybody was just deferring to scallops. For <laughs> well, for Top Chefs, it's easy to see food to cook. Seriously, so you're done. Because yeah. it's like, oh, I like it raw in the middle. You can say that. And like, of course I did that. Yeah. <laughs> this is on purpose. This yeah. is good. So and finishing the thread. So oh, yeah. the reason is good business sense is... When, uh, they claim there's 12 to 15 million people with food allergies. Yeah, right? I buy that. But when this person goes out to a dinner, makes a reservation with three friends, the four top, yeah. she or he's going to make the restaurant decision. They don't care if it's Thai, Chinese, or Vietnamese. Yeah. She cares or he cares that it's safe. And if you serve someone really good food with good service that's safe, you have a client oh, for life. So instead of 15 million, now you're talking about potentially 60 million people that could come to your restaurant because that person is always going to come back and come back and come back. And I can tell you at Blue Ginger, which is now closed in Blue Dragon, I've seen, I don't know, 30, 40 crying mothers who with their child is like, this is the first time my, my 12-year-old Timmy, my seven, you know, 16-year-old Sam has ever been to a restaurant. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Right? And that's just, I mean, that's one of the reasons I do it because Every kid, I think about how I grew up. The reason I am who I am is I went to Chinese restaurants when I was freaking yeah. two years old, three years old. Family dinners, that's how I became who I am. The, it's not just about the food. It's how you behave at a table, what they're talking to the elders. That kid never had it for 12 years, not once in a restaurant. 
And I'm thinking, that's horrible. Oh, so, that, you is, know, that is a Tears of joy, obviously, yeah. but it shouldn't be that. That's just, it should be universal. And it will be because it's, it's not going away. I Well, I, I fully agree with you. I, I think restaurants are making more and more accommodations where they're building it into it. I had a super emotional moment. I was going to a friend's uh, birthday dinner and he was so psyched about it. It was right when I was very, very sick from a gut condition and just, I was afraid of food. A, because just I felt like everything was going to make me sick. And we were going to a chef's table um, kind of place where set menu. And I was thinking like, oh, God, I almost tried to get out of it at the last minute. Only, you know, you prepay and, right, right, you know, right. and it's a small restaurant. Um, it was Gunter Seeger. And I was absolutely dreading this. I had the most beautiful meal. And it was so thoughtfully considered and so close to how Gunter Seeger cooks anyway. And I didn't feel deprived. I felt treated. And right. that was such a huge thing as opposed to I, I had, and, and that was, I cried during it and various of us had, I, you know, I couldn't drink because the meds I was on, there were right. a bunch of us not drinking at the table. They didn't treat us like second class citizens because right. one person was pregnant, one person didn't drink, right. uh, you know, and one person also had got it. So there were only two people drinking at the table, you know, often, um, you know, I've found, I've eaten at various restaurants where they treat you like crap if you're not. Spending drinking. money. You're not spending money. No, yeah. You know. And that just makes me nuts because you never know why somebody isn't doing whatever yeah. thing it is that they happen to be to be doing. Um, it, it just uh, it just makes me crazy. And if we can keep on the allergy or, you know, restriction yep. thing for, for one once more. Um, you've been in hospitality for such a long time. And I, I, I was in a situation recently where I was uh, with there were five of us at the table and we kept having dinners out together and it was great. We were, uh, you know, traveling together and I think three out of four of us had restrictions and we went to a restaurant that they were, and it was sort of a, they were saying, well, you know, everything is made to be shared. Like, okay, great. But maybe we can share a few things, but the rest of us like have our stuff. And they said, no, the chef won't do that. So we were thinking like, but the thing is, they kept, you know, plates come as as, they, as they're done. And so we had to be reminded of our restrictions every time something got to the table. So 10 different times throughout oh, the geez. meal, you can eat that, you can't eat that. Like, you don't want to be told you can't, like, right. that many That's, times. That is not very hospitable. Yeah. So how do you uh, coach your servers? What is the language you give them to empower people to know that they are safe and good and well? So at my restaurants, we've since... Starting at the reservation, the yeah. last thing we ask is, does anyone in your party have food allergies? Yeah. And so that goes right into our notes. So we, it's about making people feel welcomed, like yeah. you said, and not anxious. So yeah. if you came in the fourth time, the first thing the hostess would say or host was like, which one's cat? Yeah. Oh, cat, did we realize you have an allergy or you have this? Yeah. Not an issue. Um you know, that, so you already kind of, wow, they actually know. Yeah. Because, the, again, the first recommendation is call in advance, right? Yeah. If, if, if you have life-threatening food allergies, call yeah. in advance. No I one mean, wants to it, kill you. <laughs> yeah, no one wants to. And if the chef knows in advance, like, okay, the, the cat table is here, right? And it's whatever. Let's just, can't eat celery and can't eat whatever. It so makes it, it makes it so much easier yeah. on everyone. And, and by the way, and I've seen this, if you if you had to be the peon of a business dinner and the CEO and the VPs are all there and you're taking 20 minutes with the waiter, your CEO is going to be like, what are you doing, dude? Right. We have our Japanese people, or Chinese, whatever it is, you know what I mean? Yeah. It, it, it could be Mexicans and Koreans. It doesn't have to be any. But I'm, my point is yeah. 
You could have done all of that over the phone the day, the morning of, or the day right. before, and says, look, I look, went online, I see what you have there. Is anyone anyway, going to have this dish without dairy? Is there anyone anyway, going to have that? Yeah. And, and then it's seamless. And and we want that. Restaurateurs want as much information as possible right. because we're going to accommodate. We're a hospitality business. And I say it again. If you don't want to be a hospital, get out of the business because your money and his money and anyone with food allergies' money is just as good as everyone else's money. Thank you for that too. Cause I, I just having an empowered diners are, are such an important thing. And I've been, you know, I've had to get over my own internalized, like, you know, I, like going down the laundry list of stuff, but uh, knowing that, that I, when I have brought this up at restaurants sometimes before where I don't know that I happen to be going there, whatever, they just whip out the other menu. And that is a, a really beautiful thing that they were all prepped and ready to go with yep. this other menu. And, and the one thing we thing. definitely have and have for years is a gluten-free menu. Because that's actually oh. the biggest intolerance right now over yeah. everything. It used to be peanut shellfish treatments as allergies, but there's celiac and wheat allergies. So it's a double whammy. So, and you have to treat it the same way. Because a celiac, they can't have a molecule of gluten either. They'll feel horrible yeah. forever. So have a gluten-free menu. Why not? Then it's so seamless. And they're like, oh, oh my God, I can't believe I can have – we have a fried chicken. <gasps> Funny. Three Do months, tell? Three, I'm three months of <laughs> developing this at Blue Ginger to open Blue Dragon. So this is six yeah. years ago. And for three months, I got so sick of fried chicken. We <laughs> ate it and ate it. We tried every single flour. We were grinding chickpeas, everything. Finally, cornstarch rice flour, crispiest <gasps> fried chicken, buttermilk tempura. I'm writing my allergy sheets open. I'm like, holy shit, this is gluten-free. But I would never call it gluten-free fried chicken because we wouldn't sell one. Right. So it's called buttermilk tempura fried chicken. And then parentheses, by the way, it's gluten-free. And and the allergy community speaks, right? All the blogs oh. and websites and like, go to Blue Dragon. If you have if you haven't had fried chicken since you've been diagnosed with celiac or if you, you can go have the fried chicken. God, so. that is a lovely thing. You Except need to come. You I have to come. can't have you, buttermilk. You, you can't have buttermilk. Well, I can do it, <laughs> but I can do tempura fried oh, chicken for you. Bless you. Uh, that is. Uh, and and is, again, if you told me that you're coming in tomorrow, yeah, you would figure piece out of a, cake. But if it's a Saturday night, oh yeah, I can't do buttermilk. Yeah. Our chicken's been marinated in buttermilk, and I don't have any raw unmarinated, so then it's a little harder. But I know a day in advance. Oh, here's your chicken cat. This is that. This is a. You're giving me so much hope. Oh, this it's 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 why it's called hospitality. Yeah, yeah, right. and and I, I think the more that you talk about it, it's. It's going to be even a bigger thing because there is this notion of like people coming in like, oh, that person, the the eye rolling kind of thing. And they make fun of people, which makes it and and the people and I and I will say also to the people who, you know, maybe they they have adopted something because of whatever reason, but it's not actually life threatening and stuff. Just like I think picking language carefully is a a really, really good way to do. Can I give one training tip? Please People ask me all the time. How do you train your cooks, prep cooks and those people about food allergy, especially if sometimes it's language barrier and whatnot? Everyone understands what they do when they break down raw chicken. Yeah. Right? They change their gloves. They change their tongs. They change their board. They change everything because it's raw chicken juice. Yeah. You have to treat every allergen like raw chicken juice. And once they see that and hear that, like, oh, the cacahuete, the peanuts. Oh, I got to change my gloves and change the board and change my knife. Okay, I get it. Because no one in any culture is going to take raw chicken juice board (laughs) and then start slicing tomatoes and serve it in a salad. Because everyone knows you can't do raw chicken. So allergens need to be treated like you could get salmonella. Because it's that bad, if not worse. Oh, my God. I... That is an incredible way to think about it. I think they're neat. So do you have posters? Uh, we do. Well, when I passed the first law in this country in Massachusetts with Senator uh, Cynthia Cream to make restaurants safer, I actually developed a poster for ServeSafe. Um, okay. Again, done on my Excel spreadsheet. And it actually, <laughs> it, it actually talks about, and you said the first one, all the reasons why there's things that go wrong. 
cross-contamination. Think about your steamer, your grill. Yeah. You grill soy marinade chicken here, and then you grill lamb chop into a soy marinade. You can't do that. Yeah. The molecules are coming over. You're steaming lobster heads in your steamer, then you put a, a pork shumai. There's lobster molecules in Ooh. that water, so you can't do that. So yeah. if you think it through in advance, it's much easier, right? And because you have to do it, yeah. right? You can't refuse someone in your restaurant. And by the way, people don't come to Blue Dragon to eat a grilled plate of vegetables on white rice. They can do that at home. I bet they you could do the Blue- hell out of yeah, that. Probably, <laughs> that's pretty good, right? But they came to Blue Dragon to eat Blue Dragon food. So yeah. to throw, you know, grilled vegetables on rice is not why you go to a restaurant. Right. You're going to a restaurant to try Gunter Sieger's food, not grilled eggplant on rice, right? So again, just just think it through and just and just realize that anything can be done as long as there's the wish and want from the owner and the chef, yeah. which obviously there is for most of us. Um, and the more information, the more advanced advanced prep we have, the smoother it is for everyone. Oh my gosh. Lou, let's talk about this big, beautiful engineering brain of yours that can come <laughs> up with spreadsheets and yeah. all of that. So, so your background, well, first of all, you grew up not far from me. Um, you grew up in Dayton. Dayton, Yes. Ohio. I grew up across the river from Cincinnati, Ohio. Oh, Skilinis. <laughs> oh, yes. Three-way, baby. Indeed. I uh, Three-way. With, with that, that That's powder. Italian chili for those that are not from with Ohio. With the cheese, big clouds of puffy cheese and the so Grater's good. ice cream and all that kind of Grater's, stuff. Grater's, right. Yeah, I actually have uh, Skylight, like, shipped in. Or if, uh, I, I've had it shipped in. Oh, yeah. I, and uh, I have a colleague who, like, brings back cans for me when he visits. They have a good ginger ice cream. They have a good ice cream, period. But oh, their ginger ice cream is it is good, stellar. It is good, good you stuff. You can send us a case anytime. <laughs> Please do. Or Jenny's, which also like yes. pretty close to you. But Grater's, yep. oh my gosh, I'm just remembering like uh, the, the it, it's so rich, it almost burns. Yes. It's such a beautiful, beautiful thing. Um, <laughs> a good bird. Yeah. So you grew up there and then you were planning on being an engineer. I am a good Chinese son. <laughs> yes. So here are my rules growing up. So I'm, I'm first generation. Mm-hmm. My parents came for college. Mm-hmm. Uh, my dad it was class of 52 at Yale. My grandfather was class of 1923 at Yale. Oh, wow. So a long history. So, of course, since I was <laughs> one year old, I was, had to go to Yale, and I, I had to be a doctor, a lawyer, or an engineer. That was one rule. Another rule growing up is get any grades you want as long as it's straight A's. <laughs> and the third rule, which is kind of a uh, – uh, had a little wiggle room, is we prefer if you marry Chinese mm-hmm. or at least Asian. <laughs> so I'm 0 for 3, right? <laughs> Holly, my beautiful wife, um, uh, is completely Caucasian. She's a wasp from Dayton, Ohio, funny enough. She lived a quarter mile from me. We Did never you know met. each other? We never met. Oh, my gosh. We never met. Oh, how'd you, the, how'd the you story, meet? The story is crazy. So anyway, so, so she, but as a side note, she speaks fluent Mandarin. So, really? so we still have our secret code language, but then we stupidly insisted that our kids learn Mandarin. So now we're in the car, and my son's like ten thousand dollars. I'm like, oh shit, you speak Mandarin. <laughs> so I'm like, honey, you need to learn French. We need, we need a new secret language. Um, so, uh, so I studied engineering in college, and I did all that. But while in college, so the first most important thing that happened in college was I got to meet my wife. Because David Talbot is still the current Yale squash coach in his 36th year. What? Oh, wow. Which is incredible because he was with me in Scottsdale when this whole scandal broke out. And he was friends with Rudy, the Yale women's soccer coach that accepted $400,000 to let someone in. Oh, that, I, that, oh, that scandal. Oh, yeah. Okay, and a couple wow. of movie stars and ooh, the pe- ooh, people paying yeah. a half a million dollars to get their kid into Stanford. I mean, what? That and is they, I mean, bad. And it has been going on, and I don't want to get too far off tangent. That's been going on. People used to give libraries and give wings of stuff, <laughs> and they got in. But that, at least I was transparent. Uh, this was 
here's a half mil, dude. Get my kid in. It's, Jeez, it's, it's the, horrible. The things you could buy for a half million dollars. Oh my God, yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't waste it on a college education, oh, personally. Oh, dear God, yeah. no. No. Um, I'm sorry, what were we talking before that? You went oh, off we're, uh, sorry, oh, yeah, so, being a good so, Chinese son. <laughs> so David, um, his first year, Polly went to visit him at Yale, mm-hmm. and he's my coach. And he's like, you got to meet this Chinese kid on my team. He speaks Chinese. He's not a complete nerd. You know, not, <laughs> I didn't have my pen protector, my calculator belt. And we met. She absolutely wanted nothing to do with me, right? She, she also had a boyfriend. I had a girlfriend. So there's that, too. But she was, we were friendly, and we hung yeah. out and drank beer and stuff. But that was it. But I was like, ooh, yeah, this you, is something. There's something, you know. Ten years. What? Ten years. I would okay. I would send her Did postcards. I would, oh, I would, no, I was so obvious i would i would send her a care package to china she's living with her boyfriend and i would send her goodies <laughs> and stuff and all this and i miss you and all these things and oh my god finally 10 years later i'm sous chef at silks of the Mandarin oriental hotel with with ken oranger my buddy best chef friend boston and, guys yeah boston boys and she came with david to dinner and I don't know if it was the chef coat or the fact that she actually loved the food. She's yeah. like, wait a minute, this guy can cook. He plays squash. He's friends with my okay, and that's how it started. Was she still with her so, boyfriend at that yeah. point? Uh no. Uh-huh. Uh well, no. I was with my girlfriend at the time. Uh-huh. And again, nothing happened, but but I was living with, and guess what my girlfriend's name was? Ming. Wait, so you Ming had, and Ming. You had- <laughs> so that was like, can I really live with Ming and Ming? If that was in the way back of my head. Um, but Polly was the one, and so oh. I so I moved out, I broke out, and, but, and then we we hooked up, and the rest is history. Oh my! And you've you have several. How many children? Do you so have? we have two boys. Okay. So David very proudly is going to graduate class of twenty twenty three at Yale. At Yale, fourth fourth <laughs> generation, a hundred years after my grandfather, nineteen twenty three. That is. And incredible. David is going to be coached by David Talbot, who coached me. Which is very rare in NCAA sports oh that father son get coached by the same coach. So how much was that? Okay, how much of this was pressure? How much of it was willing? How much of it was heavy whispering? It was the same amount of pressure that my parents gave me. And then what is his interest? Does he want to be a chef too? No, he's a good cook. Though both my kids can cook. Henry, Henry, my sixteen-year-old, is a great baker, and he's mm-hmm. going to be. He's he's so different. He's a dancer, a singer. He's wow. just in Cuba singing with the slut choir. He's Gregory <laughs> in chorus line. Uh, David wants to be, he's in the philosophy, and he doesn't know the major yet, but lately, and you know how 18-year-olds, lately it's cybersecurity, because really? a good friend of mine I mean, is into cybersecurity, and it's a huge potential market for anyone that has a brain that can, you don't have to be a coder, you just need to understand the big picture, because it's real, this whole cyber, I mean, it's right now, our phone's probably being recorded by someone I, over there. They can have it, if yeah. they're, they're going to take care <laughs> yeah. of allergic people. Yeah, with, that's a good point. With that, so he, he, a dancer and everything too, so you and I have talked some about, you know, increasingly needed, needing to take care of bodies, yes. and and all that, and, and seeking other routes for that too, so, yeah. uh, you know, we've been talking about what we were going to talk about and uh you had mentioned cbd which i have recently started i know it's i want to have a sane conversation about this because there's so much out there right now there was just news recently that walgreens was clearing out shelves for cbd stuff and i feel like it's it's um you know it's been around for a long time it has a lot of value and there's a lot of crappy cbd out there so i i you know let's let's talk about that so you are you incorporating it into your life how are you doing Absolutely. That? So, um, uh, and this story ends great, but last October, so more than a year ago, October, uh, my wife was diagnosed with stage four lung cancer, just out of the blue. 
She's a non-smoker, of course, because why would they give cancer to a smoker? They give it to a non-smoker. Yep. (laughs) Thank God we're in Boston because the best hospitals in the world, Dana-Farber being the one that Mm -hmm. developed this one drug called Tegriso. It's an Mm -hmm. oral chemotherapy. Uh, Her treatment's been east-west, just like the way I live. It's not just the way I eat and cook. It's the way I live. So this oral chemotherapy has wiped out literally the cancer, the lesions in the brain, her lung. Everything's clear now. I'm so glad. It's just, yeah, thank God. Uh, And she looks great. She feels great. Uh, And it actually changed my... Because I was going to do this thing called Chowsters, a fast, casual Chinese concept, which mm-hmm. I was so excited to do. And I was going to do 50 units and blah, blah, blah. But then once this happened, right? Yeah, that, that uh, it's they one say of those. It. Your life a, changes in it a is second. a reset button for your 100%. entire life, that diagnosis, and then it's before like, and after. Then it's wife and children. That's all that matters. Yeah. Right? You still need money to pay rent and stuff, yeah, but, but your priorities change. And I'm like, okay, we're going to shelve that because I wasn't supposed to be in five cities in the next four years building a chain. Yeah. And, uh, but part of her treatment, so the eastern part of her treatment, so the, the, the chemo work, the oral pill was amazing. So and thank God for that. Yeah. God right. bless us. My, my dad also has done a, an oral pill for his, and it, right. he, uh, last I knew, he was just above the high range of normal for his cell count. It's been a godsend for That's him. Awesome. A part of a clinical trial. Congrats to your dad. I know. It's, it's like, it's, yeah. there is nothing more important. We talk about food, I just life <laughs> and death, and this is real life yeah. and death too, right? Um, but everything Eastern. So between uh, yeah. acupuncture and Reiki um, and a shaman and massage um, and, and CBD, because yeah. what CBD does, and for those that may not know, yeah. I'll give you the 30 seconds of what I know about. I know enough to get in trouble. <laughs> you can extract from a marijuana plant THC and CBD. Mm-hmm. THC is what gets you stone. Right, the mm-hmm. psychoactive component. CBD does not, but you get a lot of benefits of mm-hmm. THC without getting stoned. There's also from hemp you can extract CBD, mm-hmm. which is uh, molecularly exactly the same CBD. There's some claims that there's a little bit of THC, like a one to a twenty or a mm-hmm. one to a hundred. It makes the CBD a little bit more. Uh, the that efficacy I, increases. I right? actually take a, a twenty bit. to one. Yeah. So and twenty one, you're not stoned. Twenty to one is just nope. you just. It, yeah. People are like, what does it do? It takes the edge off. It lowers yeah. your anxiety. And, and, the and, inflammation and, decreased? Oh, 100% inflammation. And the, the testimonies, because it's so new, there's not enough yeah. medical. You need 50 years for medical you know, evidence. But all of these people with PTSD, mm-hmm. ADHD, ADD, mm-hmm. all of these mental um, issues, challenges, CBD has been remarkable, especially people with this PTSD that take bagfuls of opiates a week because yeah. that's all they know because they're depressed and they want to kill themselves and all these horrible yeah. things. And these testimonies like, I I'm, don't take an opiate again. Yeah. I'm now exercising again. My wife loves me again. I mean, just it's crazy how it, amazing this stuff works. It is. Uh, you know, I... I have not talked about this publicly uh, yet because it's, it's very new to me. I'm getting over my internalized stigma over this. I'd never smoked pot before or any of this kind of stuff. And I recently got a medical marijuana card from the state of New York because my pain was so intense, my physical pain. Yep. And, uh, you know, I went to the doctor and they were saying, like, how do you live in your body? And I was like, I just kind of do. And it sucks. Right. So, you know, went through all of that and, you know, got the state card in yep. New York State where it's legal now, went to the dispensary where 
I was talked to more by the pharmacist there than I have been by a pharmacist who gave me OxyContin after surgery, like where they just say, hey, sign your name here. <laughs> and, right. you know, the, and this woman sat with me for, you know, a good 20 minutes or more to going through these things, knowing that I was having a hard time doing these as a goody two shoes, <laughs> recovering Catholic right. who with all this internalized stigma. And I take a 20 to one CBD THC tincture during the day. And I cannot tell you what that has done for my inflammation and for like mental state. And I don't feel stoned. I don't feel any of these things. And then a one-to-one vape for night. And it's fantastic. Exactly. I'm glad you said that to help you sleep and relax. It's, it's, I mean, some people drink alcohol and for those that don't drink, this is the legal non-psychoactive solution. That's Natural. And by the way, if you're going to get CBD, because you mentioned it's like it's like it's like matcha tea. There's good ones that are organic and from Japan only, and it's yeah. handpicked. And then there's horrible ones that yeah. say it's matcha. Same for <laughs> CBD, yeah. right? You get you get it organic. There's a great company called Medterra. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have you know, three or four million plants in Kentucky, all organic hemp. Yeah, and and you Kentucky, know when, when the farm t- and when the farm bill was passed, that's why you're now saying Walgreens and Target and the mm-hmm. world is taking it because it's it's going to be in five hundred energy shots. It's going to be in everything, right? And there's no and the people are, oh open up a restaurant. Well, you don't taste it. There's no <laughs> flavor to it, you know, and so it's not. I mean, well, it's very mild. I flavor, actually, so. yeah, I can't stand the flavor yeah, of it because yeah. I, I do a, a tincture is, under my yeah, tongue the, and I yeah, don't like that. Yeah, it's it's not a good taste. So it's not no. something. Oh, I'm going to put this on my yeah. tuna sashimi. No, you're not. No, it's not. I keep being invited to like these CBD dinners and all these things and I'm like I don't want to do that really yeah no because because dosing is important you can't take 200 milligrams of anything it's yeah. just you so you do have to you have to be educated about it but again for, for and, I, and I do think this whole because marijuana itself is now the rec stores have been legalized in Massachusetts right oh right so yes. now we're the same with Colorado and whatnot and and as mo- a lot of our sh- uh, chefs we've been approached by companies like oh, yeah. can you can you take your culinary prowess and yeah. apply it to the edibles, the chocolates of this and the oh, that. Mindy and, uh, oh, Mindy Seagulls. Oh, Mindy Seagulls killing it, right? Doing incredible and, and stuff. She, and she did amazing chocolates without THC in the beginning, right? Yeah, so, she's so, just an incredible yeah. uh, baker. She has a thing called Mindy's First Batch, yep. I believe it is. Yeah. And yeah, I've had it. No, it's great. And uh, um, so there is, because the way I think, my mind thinks, I'm like, oh, I, I, so I already thought of a, <laughs> if I do this, I already thought of a great, <laughs> a great name for a line I've ever did it. East meets weed. Oh my God! You heard it here first. We'll that, see. I, Just I, the name itself. I'm I like, that's a good this name. I, for, I like that name. I mean, the other thing. But, but by the way, if yeah. I did that, and like, yeah. just thinking a lot, just off the cuff, if I did that, it would still be. East West, meaning yeah. anti-inflammatory ginger or oh, turmeric, and so... make sure there's maitake mushroom in there. So antioxidant stuff. So it's not just and, and low glycemic index because mm-hmm. a lot of these things are so sugary and so salty and, yeah. and full of gluten. You could make stuff that people that have food allergies yeah. that want to. Why? Why can't they have this? And, and diabetics, they can't eat these gummies and stuff. It's yeah. way too much sugar. So there's other ways. Of course, there's always tincture, but people like eating stuff. I mean, that's the yeah. joy. So why can't it be also good for you? Right? Prevent disease. Maitake mushroom, the healthiest mushroom, I the twelve thousand species of mushroom. They're so good. I had no idea that. Oh, they, yeah. I, I just love them. So I didn't know I was doing something good for my body when I'm oh, doing I it. Have too. That, I have my bag. I can show you my pill. I take this little black pill. That's filled with beta glucan. Beta glucan is, is extracted from my mushrooms. It's, just, it's it's actually if you break it open, it smells like mushrooms, right? Mm-hmm. It has been proven in Japan to completely build your immune system up to superhuman strength that you'll never get sick. Um, knock on wood, I never get sick. I travel wow. all the time. Yeah, in yeah. Japan, it's proven to destroy cancerous tumors. 
and they're trying to prove they can destroy HIV by building your immune system up. It's, so it's a mushroom. It's natural. It's not a drug. Um, so that's one of my literally 18 pills I take a day. Yeah. They're all natural, turmeric and ginger and cinnamon and all these things. So you are, you told me about a smoothie that you make. Which one? I make a it lot. was okay. So the when I had interviewed or... once before, it has spirulina in it yeah. and various things. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So, my, my yeah. nutrition the smoothie. It's so yeah. funny because there's such this like smoothie, like right. uh, like uh, Instagram culture right. of it, like where where it's very like show me your smoothie, and this, these look god awful yeah. for the most part, or like they're they're sort of made to be this particular way, and uh, but yours actually have some benefits to them and probably taste great. What do you make for yeah. yourself at home? So it's so uh, when we spoke in South Beach Food and Wine yeah, Fest, that's right, two three years ago. Um, I was big smoothie guy. I've actually uh, evolved to now juicing. Oh, because okay. <laughs> because with Polly's diagnosis and whatnot, yeah. Through oh, there's a great lady uh, named Chris Carr. Uh, she's sexy, sexy Chris. I have to think of this. She has a great. <laughs> she has a huge following. Very great book uh, uh, author, and she talks about juicing and and mm-hmm. she's been battling. Not even bad. She's been thriving on cancer for ten years. Wow. She was supposed okay. to take this chemo, this do do that. She's like, no, I'm gonna eat my way. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be healthy, and she's healthy as anything. She looks great. She feels great, and she's the nicest person. We got to meet her when we saw her in Toronto. So juicing became the uh, is our new norm. So okay. we have this, uh, and I don't work for them for the record, H-U-R-O-M, Hurum Juicer. It's a okay. Korean juicer. They're they're two or $300, but you juice your apples and your spinach and mm-hmm. your kale and your ginger, and it's, you know, and you can buy them now. There's juice presses. There's all these in yeah. New York here everywhere. Um, but that, you can get all the nutrients and mm-hmm. benefits of, like, like six handfuls of spinach, which would take a long time to oh, eat at a sweet pain greens, in the right? Yeah. right? So, You'd just be sitting there angry at your jaw. <laughs> yeah, no, literally. And uh, so juicing is, is our newest thing, and, mm-hmm. and you can get all the natural nutrients in uh, without any issue. And it's just, you know, you just, it takes some time. You just got to juice. You know? It's at that. I'm so glad. But it's worth it. And to... It's an interesting thing. We're living in this culture of the word wellness is so packed in all different kinds of ways. And it's very inherent to a lot of different cultures where it's just baked right in. And then there's this marketing notion of it where you think like it's got to all be like many petties and, uh, you know, and all these sort of things that are stolen from other cultures and, and, and stuff. But what is... What does wellness mean to you as a chef, and how have you seen you and your fellow chefs? People are getting healthier, right? Yeah. Oh, we are. I mean, there's, there's chef bike fundraisers now, right? Yeah, I Food mean, & Wine huge. actually has a team that... Yeah, uh, I'm sure you do. Yeah. It's, it's fantastic. For- you know, it's, look, the the old chef, the, the <laughs> chefs that smoke cigarettes and just drank whiskey on the line and all that, that was a different era. Yeah. And... Because us chefs now actually want to live yeah. a long time because we have children and we have families and we have businesses. And it's all about balance. Yeah. Balance of your – I mean, if you do work 16 hours a day, six days a week, you're never going to have balance. It just can't. Yeah. So that's not the right job for you. Or you're just not doing it right. Or you just need another sous chef or something. But you can't do 16 yeah. hours, six days a week. And we used to do – I used and to it do was, it. It was masochistic seen as a badge was. of pride. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's my seventh day in a row. Like, okay, that's there's no longer a macho thing. You're so cool. And I was like, dude, you're an idiot. <laughs> right? And so so for me, it's it's you have to get out of your place, your restaurant, and do something. For me, it's it's Bikram Yoga. I've done Bikram Yoga for 25 years. Soul Cycle is my newest addiction of probably four years ago because okay. Soul is in. My agent gave me a Peloton. I'm like, 
<laughs> Try to tell me something there, Sandy. <laughs> oh my god! But it's the best gift ever. So then I can just jump on a bike for twenty minutes yeah. with a live person, and it's fantastic. That's but you have to do something like that, right? Because you got to. You first of all, I literally the amount of food I eat, I would be five hundred pounds. I eat. I, I had a New Yorker person follow me once for an article in the beginning of Blue Ginger, and they calculated like. 7,100 calories. That's a lot, right? Just You're tasting <laughs> sausage and vinaigrette yeah. and blah, blah, blah. And, and, and if I didn't do the beacon yoga at that time, I just would be ginormous. And then you get a back pain. And then guess what? When you get a back pain, then you start taking back pain killers. And that downward spiral, now you're addicted to opiates because of your back pain, because mm-hmm. of your cut. That, that's horrible. So stay ahead of that curve, right? Yeah. Stay ahead. And it, it it's so cliche, but healthy, happy cooks make the best food. They do. And how do you facilitate this in your restaurant? Because we get a, you know, I, I hear, I talk to a lot of chefs and they're saying, I want to change the way my restaurant is. And maybe it's a restaurant that's been existing for a long time. And, but they have a particular way. They're like, how do I go in all of a sudden one day and be like, Hey, we're going to switch up how this is. Yeah. It's, it's hard because all my cooks are young. Right. And they're, they're like, Babies, eighteen right? to twenty-four. Oh, so you're made of elastic at that point. You know, I mean, my the the thing that I hate is smoking. Yeah. Because I don't. Uh, yes, of course, lung cancer, all that. It ruins your palate. Yeah. So I'm like, dude, you can't. No wonder you can't tell this is too salty. You smoke a half a pack of marbles a day. So that's my biggest issue with that. Plus, it stinks, right? And yeah. Like that, you can't smoke for your front uh, front off. You know. Server, because you can't have that smell to a yeah. customer. You can always smell. You can't really smell great. Like, hey, what would you like to eat today? That's horrible, right? <laughs> so, um, we encourage, right? I mean, I, I don't honestly. I don't give people free yoga and health club memberships. It's, it's a business, right? I can't do that. But I think leading by example. I mean, my chef de cuisine, Christine Canis, and now my GM, they do yoga and and stuff like that. And they they ride their bikes. They they know they need balance. Mm-hmm. And and by the way, yes, we have a cook spear after service, right? But back in the day, you would hang out to two a.m. Mm-hmm. and drink every night, and then you'd wake up just to get in time for your shift. Well, that's not going to work very long. Yeah. That's called burnout. Yeah. And it happens. And it happens all the time. So. Balance, 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 including not eating everything you see all the time, too. Yeah. Right? My, my golden rule is eat all the vegetables you want, eat all the fruit you want. Done. Fish, not a problem. But you can't eat, like, merc- mercury fish, swordfish, tuna all day long because that will be an issue, right? So, again, switch it up, right? Balance. Um, I have nothing against meat. I love pork. I'm Chinese. Duck, <laughs> chicken, steak. I mean, that's fine. I, I have – I do love – you know, Wagyu beef and Kobe beef, I'd love that, but in moderation, right? Not two ribeyes a week. That can't be good for your body because it's not, and that's horrible for the most part for the environment, depending on who grows it. But right. mass beef growing, and I'm not against the beef industry, but there are real issues, and, yeah. and AOC got made fun of talking about, you know, cow farts. It's real. <laughs> it's real. <laughs> the methane is real, and it's destroying our ozone, period, just like hairspray. Yeah, which I think we both have it today. We do. Well, well that's okay. <laughs> that's, that's where our vein is. That's different. That's, sorry, that's ozone much layer. More we've, we've destroyed that <laughs> yeah, today. Sorry today. But there is an interesting thing like Burger King just announced this week. Unfortunately, yes, I think they the announced Burger, right? but they announced it on April 1st, which which was not great timing oh, on their no, part. They did not. Uh, yeah, and oh, yeah, uh, that's uh, that part. but they they announced that they're going to use Impossible Burgers, yep. which I think some other places have been doing. I feel like Fuku had been had they yep. been doing some stuff. Yeah, it's, and it's getting more and it's more. It's not it's not bad. So yeah. the, here's my issue with those things. I, I actually think the Impossible Burger tastes really good. You have to do cook it all the way through. Yeah. There's no medium rare on those. Right? I have 160. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
some naysayers is like it's so processed because it is. Yeah, it is. It's completely it's processed. It's made from pea protein. Of course, it's processed. Yeah. Um, but if you see all the ingredients, it's it's normal stuff. If yeah. You know what I mean? Um, I at San Francisco airport has it at the Roadhouse, mm-hmm. so they sell. It. So I get it every time at in the airport because I actually like eating burgers. Yeah, and but you just can't eat burgers all the time, right? It's just it's <laughs> my husband gives himself a once a week burger on Saturday, like Saturday oh, lunch. He goes like Five Guys or something and, and gets his burger for the week. Yeah, that's not a bad vice. There's so many it's worse really vices for like once a week. <laughs> it's really not bad at all, and and he he's happy. He you know. It doesn't eat all the fries. I still a couple right. fries from it, and right. yeah. I mean, I do think I, again. My my wife is practically she's pescatarian now. Yeah. Mostly vegetables, and uh, of course, my two kids are growing. They they eat everything, steak, and they eat yeah. a ton and of I'm food. And I'm sure they want to support their mom and eat. Hundred percent. But but the Asian diet, yeah, especially Chinese, but all Asian diet, has always been veg focused first. Yeah. The meat, the seafood, is so expensive. It was always used for flavoring. Yes, the so that same ribeye I just mentioned, that ribeye would feed eight people yeah. in a dish that would be delicious. But in America, that ribeye feeds a person. Right. And so you, you don't need that much. I mean, I, when people order a Kobe or an A5 Wagyu <laughs> that much, you, there's no way they feel good later. That's no. that's like eating two sticks of butter. Why, why would you do that? It's delicious, but three slices of a tataki Wagyu, you're done. Perfect. Right? Yeah. Moderation. I mean, that, that good ingredient uh, kind of thing. Yeah. Is, the one, just... one I, tell you, I don't know if you've read this book. You'd love it. It's called Savor. Written by Thich Nhat Hanh, who's the second most populous Buddhist in the world next mm-hmm. to Dalai Lama, and Dr. Lillian Chung, who's part of the Harvard Nutritional Roundtable that I've been a member for the last 20 years. And the, and the goal of the Nutritional Roundtable is to basically fight obesity in, in the world. Mm-hmm. So we've done stuff doing brown rice in China because the glycemic index of white rice is like white bread, right? I mean, yeah. you don't have to eat sugar to get you you can you can get your sugar through so many other ways. Of course, alcohol has sugar. Yeah. All the white rice is white breads. It's all sugar, all the, and yeah. that is the reason there's obesity, not fat. It's sugar. So the, then, and the government, the FDA has been fooling us all, talking about no <laughs> fat. Try these cookies, snack wells. They have no fat. And that, oh, but, those were but, Satan. <laughs> but they're, they're sugar. And anyway, I don't need to get off the sugar thing, but. Um, Cameron was talking about. Uh, oh, we oh, we we were talking about like the only needing a little meat. And oh, getting... that's right. So, so veg all day because you can never. You know, I could say never. Very hard to get sick and overeat on veg. It's not. I can't eat any more spinach. You, you, you're done. But I... savor um, is about mindful eating. Yeah. So the the first chapter, take it out. How it's talking about eating an apple. You have an apple in your hand. Don't look at your computer, your cell phone. Don't be watching TV. Don't be driving around. Think about that apple. Take a bite, but think about where the apple came from, rain from the skies, the farmer, the tree, the seedling, how it's harvested, how it came from, I don't know, 2,000 miles away from Seattle, wherever it came from, and savor it. Think about everything that went into that apple. You're so lucky that you have an apple. Yeah. And appreciate it. Two things happen. You enjoy it more, which is great. But you eat slower. When yeah. I was a kid, literally when I was six and seven and eight years old, I was a little pudgy. And I wanted to play Wimbledon, right? I'm like, I'm going to play Wimbledon. I was a tennis yeah. player. And I didn't even come close. But I <laughs> put myself on a diet. I did not my, my parents never be like, you're overweight. And it's never that. It's like I wanted to play Wimbledon. So I used to drink six glasses of water before every meal. It filled me up. Yeah. Which I still drink, not before the meal. I still Hydration drink that much is water. important. But but I used to chew my food and I do it as much as I can still, mm-hmm. 32 times. 
I take a bite, I chew 32 times because I'm savoring it. Because what happens, the reason, one of the reasons there's obesity is it's twofold. We serve huge platters of food now at all these chain restaurants. I mean, like a ginormous thing. And of course, back in the day, finish everything, right? That was always yeah, the mantra. Oh, yeah, finish, because finish, there are people finish. starving in wherever it happens. But what happens physically is when you're eating, and if you eat too quickly, you are physically full, but your mind takes another 15, 20 minutes to stop eating yeah. because your mind's not full yet. But if you start eating more slowly, by the time you're halfway through, your mind's like, oh, I'm full. So once you feel a little full, stop eating. Because when people do the table, oh, I'm so full, you ate too much. Savor. So let's talk about then the, because you and I have talked about this, about the mental component of all of this, of the people who make your food, yep. of eating and stuff. You've been really, really supportive uh, about talking about, uh, you know, chefs and, and mental health yep. too. So cooks are taking better care of themselves yes. physically. And I feel like the conversation is opening up about the mental part of, yep. of that. So let's talk about like what, you know, routes that you've taken to keep yourself well. Do you do the yoga? You do that. How do you keep yourself? Because it is a demanding, demanding uh, lifestyle where people don't necessarily have money to go to right. therapy or do all, you know, or, or have access to things that are good for them right. always. So, so here, here's the easiest free Solution. I did it on the plane right here. Meditate. Five minutes, ten minutes, once a day, twice a day. Try it for a minute. Can you just quiet your mind and sit and try to release everything from your mind? It's, it, you talk to any successful businesswoman or businessman, they all meditate. It's not, and I didn't create meditation. It's been created 10,000 years ago. <laughs> but it's free. You don't need to go to a club. You just need a quiet space. You have to turn off your phone, right? <gasps> although, although there's great apps, right? Insight mm -hmm. and Calm are great apps to help you meditate because you want to hear some gongs or some music and stuff. Some people need to hear running water. That's all fine. That's not cheating. That Anything to get you to quiet your mind is is really the best thing for your mental health because then and and people say well how do you meditate and I'm not a great meditator I'm mm -hmm. I just I, I get better every time but it's hard it's really hard to quiet your mind it, absolutely and so I my can't. my vision which helps me so much is I picture a pebble coming from the sky hitting a perfectly pristine lake and when it hits the lake you see all the rings go out right and that's what I think about the endless rings and then I follow the pebble all the way down, and sometimes fish go by, whatever it is, and then it eventually hits the bottom. And by that time, eight minutes, ten minutes has gone by. And you, and you just feel better. It's amazing. I think I'm going to do that tonight. I have a pebble. <laughs> just in your bag with all the yeah, magical I, other yeah, things. Yeah, exactly. But you also, in addition to uh, being a chef... <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> First time drinking. <laughs> all right. Uh, well, you were talking about being a business person. Let's talk about catering for a sec. Catering? Yes. You, or, oh, the, or, oh, the new the company, Hungry? Yes. Oh, this is Talk cool. to me about Hungry. So there's a, a company that I just joined, uh, colleagues. Tom Clico is also um, uh, an investor and part of the team. Walter Robb, the founder of Whole Foods. Usher. I mean, so Wait, random. Usher is Usher, part of yeah, I, I was in the press release. Ming Tsai, Usher. Walter, I'm like, Usher? Of course. <laughs> I want to see you on, on stage Duh. together. Um, but the business model is very smart. They, uh, there was a huge food truck craze, as we all yeah. know, right? And so a lot of these commercial commissary kitchens were built in every major city. Mm -hmm. So they started D.C. and Philly that empty commissary kitchens. So when they're empty, no one makes money. So they actually made partnerships with these empty commissary kitchens. Says, look, we'll give you 800 bucks for each one of these kitchens. 
and we'll bring in a chef, an up-and-coming chef, that can't afford to open a restaurant because that takes hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yeah. I can't even afford a food truck because that's at least $100,000. And do their Mexican, Chinese, Vietnamese, American, whatever the thing is, um, but these, but what Hungry does is makes relationships with all these office buildings mm-hmm. and corporate feeding, and it's so it's not just it's not catered food from a company that does all these sandwiches and salads. It's actually chimichangas from you know Jose that does the real deal. Yeah. It's, it's my pot thai or stir fry, and, and it's real <laughs> food that chef, not just chef driven, but chef actually making it. But the model works because 800 bucks is not that much for anyone, in theory, for mm-hmm. a month's rent. Oh, for a month? Wow. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, no, no. You That's, get, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I know. Wanna you want to move into you one move. now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's got cats in the region. Um, <laughs> and, um, but more importantly, it's smart because you're only making food for the 50 people that ordered it. So it's not like a restaurant that you got to stat yeah. and bring all this food in. And eventually... That's really smart. Uh, and, you know, so so the business model is great. So now they're actually coming to Boston in June because there's a there's an empty commissary kitchen. So it's a great way for these up-and-coming chefs to make their mark. Ideally, it's their first step. And then they're like, oh, my God, this is so good. You should open a restaurant because that's how it usually starts, right? Yeah. And, or, or usually you're a chef or a cook or you sous get the chef. First taste of it, you yeah. need to do your own restaurant. But this is, you know, and, and what it does is it makes you realize do you really love this business or not? Because it's grueling, yeah. right? It's not. It's not like it's on TV. You show up, make your dishes, you have a glass of wine, you go home. That's not the real world. I mean, no. it, it is how our TV shows work, right? Yeah. But it's it's a grind. And 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 I'll say this. Uh, I was listening to Will Gadara. He's talking with Brian Compliment, who has an I equally love that equally podcast. Great, oh, I- that is that I all so I have said to him. I just want this thing to be like one twentieth as good as Brian Koppelman's no, podcast. No, it's, it's, yeah, it's you, so you're good. already there, by the way, <laughs> oh, easily. But but we'll. Um, Gadara is talking about look. It's, uh, he always talks about make it nice and all that. Yeah, stuff, right? yeah, that and, episode. And I, I, lo- I Everybody love his, needs to listen to this. I episode. love his <laughs> philosophy because he his is a little off tangent, but his whole philosophy is. Let's make fine dining fun. Yes. Which is such a great philosophy because most fine dining is not fun. It's oh. starchy and stiff and this. And the waiters aren't fun either. They're not having a good time. They're there because they make great money, but they're not having fun. And you know, EMP his, is what you know, it's one of team. the it's one of the priciest places you could go in Manhattan and I laugh hysterically while I'm there. I am, am so happy when I'm in there because the, the way that they approach this as a as a total experience. Their documentary. The seven seven days was it called? Oh, right, wait, seven days out or whatever it was. Oh, I had seen the Have one. Seen it? Th- well, I had seen the one the restaurant tour that was about Danny Meyer when he was opening EMP. Oh, okay. And he was opening yeah. Bombay Bread Bar and opening same time EMP, and it was crazy. But I need to see the seven oh, days. This, this, this seven, it's it's a great series. It's it's big thing seven days out. So literally seven days out for their reopening. Right, they just yeah. got three star Michelin. They got number yeah. one restaurant in the world, oh, and they decided to gut it. And they had seven <laughs> days, and of course they didn't have electricity and the packs of this. But then they, they did one in the Kentucky Derby, oh, right? Seven days out. God. It's amazing what happens in those seven days. And then they did it for the dog show too. I and just uh, I thousands need... of dogs everywhere for the seven days. That out. That sounds kind of my heaven. Oh my god. I well, I actually just yesterday um, asked Will if he would come on, and, and he will. So oh, hopefully good. we'll have that conversation. So I'm getting the I was getting the wrap it up sign from our producer. Already? But we just I know, started. I know. Um, but I have a few questions that I ask Please. everybody. But you've listened to the podcast. So you're one of the first people coming in who's heard it, so you know what the questions are. But um, what is the thing? Because you're you're taking care of your employees, you're taking care of your your family, you're taking great great care of your wife. What is the selfish thing you want for you? Hmm. It's funny. We have um, so last year our word of the year word us meaning my wife and I was allow. Oh. 
Just yeah. allow. So if someone cuts me off on the pike, they're in a bigger rush than me. Allow, right? Why hong? Why flip? You know, just allow. Because people, you have no idea what anyone else's life is like. Oh, you have yeah. no idea if they just lost their brother or whatever, or just got fired. You have no idea. So allow. This year, funny enough, my word is fun. <gasps> because life's too short. Yeah. Right? So you know what? Let's go to Scottsdale. Let's have fun, right? Because you can't take it with you. Right? And I'm not talking about start buying stuff. It's not about buying stuff. It's about experiencing stuff. And for me, with my two amazing boys and Buddy, our dog, he doesn't get to come along as much, though. <laughs> um, it's about having fun and living, yeah. right? And so for me, is 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 really making sure I have fun, right? Because it's so easy to push that aside. It's yeah. so easy to do the next meeting or, or do another new menu. Anyone can do that. That's just more work. But can you organize it so you can actually break away and enjoy the ride? Because I'm not the type that when I'm 65, I start living and have fun. Right. Hell no. I've been having fun my <laughs> whole life because why else are we yeah. doing this? Yeah. Fun. Fun. That's a really good word. So what is the last meal that – or actually, yes – I always forget the order of the questions. It doesn't matter. Allow. What is the last meal that you had that made you emotional? You know, this, uh, you know, I try not to get too emotional. So okay. Sarah Livesey, who is in heaven right now, mm. she just passed. And um, she worked with me about 14 years wow. at Blue Ginger and Blue Dragon. I opened Blue Dragon. She was my partner there, diagnosed with an inoperable brain tumor, cancer, oh, four years ago. She did it her way. She lived her life her way, and she did She did not want radiation chemo because it was inoperable, and the side effects would have been you may lose yeah. speech, you may lose cognitive thinking. She's like, no, I'm going to Tibet and India instead, and she did. She did everything with her mom. She did everything she did, and uh, there's an amazing hospice center in Connecticut in Danbury. I think it's called Danbury Hospice. They're amazing. Cynthia, thank you. She's, she's, she actually dedicated her life doing hospice, and I got to cook. Um, at least my last meal. I and mean, she's been eating my food for 14 yeah. years. And so I made her just a, a, a koshi hikari, which is a Japanese rice miso risotto with the little pieces of salmon. And I oh. did it I doing this in this little kitchenette thing. I brought my own induction burner, everything. <laughs> and I, I'll probably never have a more emotional oh, dish to give someone. Feeding somebody. Feeding That's someone. beautiful. And, uh, and if, although she's eating amazingly well. Oh. Julia Child is taking such good care of her. Oh. I know that. And actually all the unfortunate French chefs that have passed recently. Yeah. It's crazy. Oh, my golly. That's beautiful. What is your comfort food? I love, I love braising mm. because you smell it for four hours in your home. Yeah. Right? It could be, I mean, <laughs> it could be short, it could be chicken, it could be, you know, our favorite, if my wife is ever sick, a sore throat, or my kids, braised oxtail. Oh, God, that's Tons a beautiful of ginger, thing. mirepoix, oxtail, of course, soy, white rice. I mean, you, if you're sick, you'll be cured. That is heaven. It, oh, and, and this, just the smell. It's like baking bread and sauteed garlic. Those smells are so good. But braised oxtail is. Oh, I recently best. went to Saint. I ate at Saint John's in London, oh, and they they one of the courses they, that you could get was just basically a bowl full of braising liquid, and it was such That's a brilliant so idea, good. and it was the best thing in the oh, world. God. I know Marco Canora does that. Right? Oh God, All I love broth. that man. Yeah. Yeah, I love awesome. that man. Um, we so, battled. We battled next Iron Chef. Oh wait, who won? Oh, yeah, Mark Forgeon won. The oh, young shoot. kid, that <laughs> little squirt. That, I think he's good. doing okay for himself, he's that kid. He's a great guy. <laughs> and his father, too. They're 
Oh my Corey god! Jones I need to have him on. Marco Canora is coming on. I need to have Mark Fortune on. Oh, too. you shall. He's awesome. Tell him to get a haircut when you see him. <laughs> Come on, that's so eighties, dude. Get oh with it. man. So, what is the last meal that somebody cooked for you, not at their restaurant? You know, it's funny. We don't get invited very often to people's homes, us chefs. Yeah, I know. <laughs> this is why I asked. It just this. doesn't happen. Um, the last, like, legit meal was my parents in in, in, uh, in Hawaii. What did they make? My dad, my dad and mom are the reasons I'm a chef, right? Yeah. But my mom had the Mandarin Kitchen Day in Ohio. So when I'm 15 and 16, that was my job. I had an egg roll cart, literally. <laughs> and you can't get more cliche. Ming with an egg roll cart. I literally had an egg roll cart. And uh, so food, food, food is our whole upbringing. Uh, my dad loves noodles, mm. right? And so he made He's a, a he, human, isn't he? Yeah, yeah <laughs> correct. But, uh, and he's a, like an iron chef. He can open up a fridge and then 60 seconds, boom, dish on the table. Oh. My mom is much more meticulous. And funny enough, I'm, I'll answer your question. I know we're running out of time. The only time I ever seen them fight was in Chinese when they're cooking. They're always, oh, you can't fry it now. And then I'd be like, guys, guys, sit down, sit down, have a glass of wine. And then I realized that, that they did that to get me to cook. So anyway, <laughs> very smart. Um, but they cooked me just fried this chow mein noodle dish. That was just the best. Oh, that's, that sounds lovely. So what living musician would you want to cook for? And what would you cook for them? You know, I, I'm going to get to, I think, cook for him is John Legend. What? Who, uh, <gasps> just the funniest, this literally just happened yesterday. Whoa. So I, I'm doing something called Concours, okay. which is the really fancy car shows that for, you know, the, so Jay Leno is yeah. going to be the MC. Uh, it's Pebble Beach in England. They have they have a new one in Newport, Rhode Island this October. So they've asked me to be the chef for this. John Legend just got booked for Saturday night to be the, the headliner with Jay Leno. Um, so... I can't wait to cook for him. What I would Whoa, cook my yeah. probably my signature dish because I know he does like uh, I presume he loves seafood. I, I know his wife cooks a lot of seafood. <laughs> yeah. um, I have this miso sake marinated at butterfish dish that I've done forever. Okay. Here goes um, my eyes back in my head. She, yeah, that's, a, that's a good roll in the eyes. <laughs> Whoa, yeah. Because uh, I've loved, I've always loved his music, and to to it'd be such an honor for him to try my wares because I've been enjoying his wares forever. Oh, that's so beautiful. Oh, I want, I would like love to be a fly on the wall at this you, thing. You should just come. I just hop in, <laughs> hop in your Bugatti and drive on up. <laughs> <laughs> I like rent. Did they have like rent the runway, but for cars? Like, Probably. Yeah, for fancy cars. Um, th so then, let's say you have five. I know what the answer to this is going to be, but I'm going to ask you anyway. Uh, you have five uninterrupted minutes for self care. What do you do? <sighs> yeah, I mean, if if only five, I, I think I would meditate. If only five, because I can't I, jump on a bicycle and I can't do that. But for five <laughs> minutes, I med and and oh, there's the other thing. Will Gadara, I love it. Yeah. Deep breathing. Oh, right? yeah. He did this whole thing about you know the deep breathing club. That's yes. so true. If some shit goes down, just take that time. And I I've trained my kids this, and this is something that brings Sarah Lizzie back to this fold because uh, I did did her eulogy, and I'm talking about. I always told my kids before you say something, when something especially negative happens to you, a situation, something said, think to yourself, what would Doctor Maya Angelou say right now? Yeah. Right. So that's. That's how I've been trained because she'll step back and she won't say the normal F you blah, 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 because that's not how Dr. Mary Angel is. So now, because Sarah Livesey was just like that, so now it's changed. What would Sarah Livesey do or say at this moment? Because yelling at the person, even though they screwed up, yeah. never helps. It makes you feel good for a second. Yeah, that little cortisol. And then it's gone. And then you just completely lost. And by the way, if you're trying to tell your whole team, by the way, never yell or scream and lose your patient, and you just did, that's a really hard thing to start 
teaching people if they see you yelling and screaming. Yeah. So take a breath. Take a breath. I think that is a beautiful, beautiful place to close this out. So thank you so much to our guest today, Ming Tsai. And you should go and eat at Blue Dragon. Find him on social at, at, at Ming Tsai. Is your Ming Tsai. Hand- yep. And also your uh, seasons of Simply Ming. You said you were in the 17th? 17th season. Whoa. And can I add one thing? Familyreach.org. Yeah. I'm the president of the National Advisory Board. We financially help families with cancer, which we should have, oh. could have talked about. But maybe one day we'll talk yeah. more about that because it's the number one cause of bankruptcy in this country today, cancer. Yeah. Crazy. Please go and support that. Be open about your allergies and all this. Tell us your allergies. We welcome it. Yes. Thank you so much. And thank you to our producers, Jennifer Martinick, Alicia Cabral, and Amy Frank. Thanks to Douglas Wagner for our delightful theme song. If you like what you heard, please tell a friend, write a review, or rate us on whatever platform you're listening on. If there's something you'd like us to talk about or a guest you'd like to hear more from, please let us know. You can find me on Twitter at kittenwithawhip, and you can find out more about the show and catch up on all the episodes at foodandwine.com and Food and Wine's YouTube page. Thank you for listening and take good care of yourself until the next time.